0: welcome once again to A Novel Evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books, or you can check me out on TikTok as A Novel Evening Podcast. And for this week's episode, I am joined by Gina Chung. Uh, I recently read her novel. I was very lucky to get a gorgeous proof copy of Sea Change, and oh my goodness. I mean, it's safe to say, I don't think I've, I have i think I've read a book like it. Um, I'm not going to give anything away in this opener because I want Gina to tell you all about this novel but it it was so touching in a way I didn't think I would feel Um, and I don't think I felt this way about an octopus since I watched My Octopus Teacher. Um, So there's a little clue for you and I'm super super excited to welcome Gina onto the podcast. I can't wait to talk to her all about the book and find out all about her novel Evening. So, a huge hello to Gina. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so, so welcome. And thank you for for joining me. And we are calling from very different places right now. So you're obviously all the way in Brooklyn, in New York. And I'm calling from the very gray Devon coast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very jealous of you. Brooklyn is somewhere I have always wanted to go.
1: You should come. It's fine. I mean, uh, I, I think I was just complaining to you before we started our interview about how the summer has been kind of muggy and humid here, which yeah. it's known for, um, but it's been kind of gray with thunderstorming earlier. But I will say I actually just spent like a little over a week in LA for vacation with my partner and I really loved LA. The weather is amazing. There's lots to love about the city, um, but I kind of missed like the grossness and the humidity of New York. Not going to lie. There's something <laughs> about a feral New York summer that like nothing like it. So um
0: highly recommend visiting. During this Have time. you always lived in New York? Have you always kind of been been there?
1: No although uh, I've been in New York now 10 years about wow. 10 years which is like wild to say because I kept thinking especially in the early period of my time here that I would leave New York because there were so many things I didn't like at first Um, but I grew up on the east coast of the states. I'm from uh, New Jersey originally so I grew up right. kind of like uh, going in and out of New York, going in with my friends, um, and always aspired to live here. And now I now I've just been here. And it's like, I don't know, it, it feels like a whole different kind of relationship to the city as a result. How long do you think you have to be in New York to
0: be a New Yorker?
1: Um I it varies. I think I don't I don't know that I have a personal opinion on it. I feel like it's more of an accumulation of certain events. That yeah. lets it, you know that that makes maybe is like what lets you have your kind of New Yorker card I've been told by my native New Yorker friends that you have to be here at least eight to ten years so I guess
0: by that metric I'm you basically there it. yeah <laughs> you ticked it. oh yeah. my goodness what is your favorite thing about where you live
1: my favorite thing about my particular neighborhood is that I'm I'm not very far from Prospect Park, which is the biggest park um, in Brooklyn, and it's really beautiful. It's a really lush park with lots of kind of like winding pathways, but small enough where you don't, it's not like it would be hard to kind of get really lost and turned yeah. around. Um, I used to live on the northern end of the park um which is where I was during like the bulk of the early part of the pandemic and before we went into lockdown I got into the park maybe like a handful of times like a little walk here and there and then when lockdown hit I was like in that park every day like it was basically like my entire social life was like me you know getting dressed to go out to the park and look at ducks and like have a phone call with a friend to catch up so I love that like kind of accessibility to the green space that I have here um And somehow over the last few years, a lot of my friends have kind of moved to this area. So we're all within walking distance from each Amazing. other. Yeah. And, you know, when that happens, you don't you don't often like meet up as often as you think you will, just because of that other New York or big city problem of like everyone is busy. Um, but it's nice to know that everyone is kind of accessible. Like I feel like I lucked out and now I'm living kind of like the New York sitcom situation of my dreams where everyone is like
0: a neighbor, basically. I love that. I love that. And you briefly mentioned sort of pandemic and being outside. When did you begin your writing process on Sea Change? When did that kind of begin?
1: Yeah, it actually started. I would probably say like early 2020. Um, so I was in an MFA program at the New School in New York City, and uh, we were still in person at that point. And one of my teachers uh, at the New School, Waya Moore, who's an incredible speculative fiction author and memoirist, she gave us a prompt, and we were all kind of writing in the speculative mode in this class, mm-hmm. anything, things that range from like, you know, some people were writing sci-fi and fantasy, like um, like hardcore and others were writing kind of stuff that had more of a surrealist bent to it. And, um, you know, I started writing this prompt that Wayatu gave us in class. And I I didn't know this about myself until I started like taking my writing more seriously, but I really love writing about animals and the natural world. And so I started writing um, you know, essentially what became Dolores, the octopus at, at the heart of sea change. And so it kind of started with this writing about this image of the octopus. The first few lines of the book are essentially the first few lines I ever wrote of the story, but I didn't think it was going to be a novel. I thought it was going to be like a short story. So I kind of put it away for a little bit, uh, worked on it a little bit over the summer of 2020 when a group of my friends from the program and I convened like a small workshop just to keep accountable on our goals, especially because no one was really doing anything At that point in time and I brought the first draft of like what's now the first chapter to that group and was like well it's a short story there's some loose ends I need to tie up and they were like no it's like a you could make this a novel if you wanted to because there are a lot of unanswered questions here which is like such a gift to get as a writer but also like kind of a burden because then you're like oh all right I guess I'll go write a novel now um and never having you know I have never I had never really tried to write a novel so it was sort of a good opportunity because I was also about to go into my thesis semester at this at the new school, which is when you kind of just you don't take classes, you just work with your advisor and your thesis group on a on a manuscript, essentially. And so um yeah, I just kind of dug in my heels and started started at it. And that was uh that was like fall of 2020. And so I drafted the first, put together the first draft of the book, very rough, sloppy first draft, in essentially like three months, which is pretty fast I am a fast drafter but again I don't think that any of that would have happened it would have probably happened on a slower
0: timeline if we weren't where we were in the world um and then yeah that's kind of how it started amazing and I as I've said to you I was very lucky to get one of the gorgeous proofs um I read it I loved it I don't think I've cried so hard about an octopus since my octopus teacher came out I don't think I've been that affected <laughs> by an octopus before and you know for listeners. Give us a little explanation of what sea change is. Tell us the story.
1: Yeah, definitely. So Sea Change is I like to say a story about love, loss and cephalopods and it's a kind of coming of age story about a 30-year-old Roe Bay who is a Korean American aquarium worker at a mall in New Jersey. And at the start of the novel, you learn that Ro has just been broken up with by her boyfriend, who has not only left her, but has, you know, basically decided to leave the planet to be part of this privately funded mission to colonize Mars as like, and that's part of a sort of a last ditch attempt on the part of humanity to address the climate crisis by essentially leaving the planet. Um, and in the meantime, she's also kind of dealing with some friction in her friendship with her best friend, Yoonhee, who also works at the aquarium with her. Um, she has a kind of fractured um, relationship with her mother. And we also learn at the beginning of the novel that her father, who was a marine biologist who also worked at the aquarium, has just disappeared about 15 years ago when Ro was just a teenager and uh while he was on a research trip at sea and she's never really been able to come to terms with that and so the inciting incident of the book is that roe learns that dolores the giant pacific octopus that her father discovered and whom she has a, a deep attachment to at the aquarium is about to be sold because the aquarium is failing they need money and she kind of starts to spin out of control from there and the rest of the book is kind of about how she has to really sort of own up to how she's maybe failed herself and other people and also learn how to trust and both in other people and in herself along the way
0: yeah and what I love is this is you know a story that's set in a not so distant future it there are futuristic elements to it and yet it's still very relatable to where we are now how did you decide where you were going to set this did you know it was going to be kind of the time period you set it in or did that kind of grow organically
1: yeah, it actually came about kind of organically, I think, um, through that process of just writing to a prompt that I mentioned earlier, where, um, you know, it began with the octopus, and then from there, I started thinking about, like, well, who is the person telling us this story? And I had this idea that, oh, she's, go- she's just gone through heartbreak, like, this is, this is a person who's a little bit broken, a little bit fragile, um I and I don't think I had really tried to write like a love story in that way or the aftermath of a love story so it was an interesting challenge to myself to think about how I could write about romantic love and its disappointments but I think as a reader and as just like a consumer of art and media I actually really love a breakup story I think they're really cathartic and comforting to read about because like who among us hasn't gone through a breakup that just like really put you through the ringer Um, And I think as a sort of a craft device writing about a character who's going through some kind of breakup. It doesn't have to be a romantic one either just any kind of separation is really telling because it gives that the reader an understand understanding of who this character is in times of crisis, Um, and also gives that character an opportunity to sort of like remake themselves anew in the wake of that so I started writing about um you know all that breakup information and then it just occurred to me I was like oh he's going to space you know like if we're going to be in the speculative mode let's just add in things that like you know maybe couldn't can't happen right now this very moment but like could happen you know and I feel like the the Mars colony thing is that's something that people are like planning as we speak so that's like there's someone
0: at the moment isn't there? there's a group of people who are simulating what it would be like to be on Mars and as soon as I saw that my brain went straight to the book as well. And I was like, oh, it's not that far away. (laughs)
1: Exactly, exactly. And like, you know, I've always been fascinated by the idea of like those people who, you know, can kind of just like strap on their helmets and go forth into the furthest terrain. And I've never been that kind of person. And it just made me wonder about like, you know, what kind of person would be willing to do that? And also what would happen to the people they left behind? And so I think once I realized that Tay was going to go to space, um, all the near future stuff kind of came into place for me especially with um aspects of climate um although i think you know i heard someone say once that like uh, i'm not sure if you're familiar with the term cli-fi but like climate fiction someone oh. said recently in an interview that i read that like now all fiction is climate fiction just because of where we're at yeah. um yeah so but yeah I, I i really liked the idea of giving it a near future setting without necessarily like defining what that meant
0: And I think Ro is so relatable as a character, even though, you know, there's a lot of aspects, you know, her father is missing. And I really felt for Ro during the story because I feel like, you know, her former boyfriend has, like you say, really marched into the future. But Ro is so trapped in the past, right? She's so trapped in her past and what has been before her. And I felt like that was such an interesting comparison you know he's literally doing as as futuristic a thing as you can do he's going to live on a different planet and she's really kind of stuck in this this aquarium that she loves this octopus she loves and as I say like the most interesting for me is the relationship with flores I mean Mm, it's mm -hmm. beautiful how much research did you have to do into octopuses
1: (laughs) I did a lot I mean I essentially did like whatever I could do you know with with the confinements of the time which which actually ended up being quite a lot like I did a Mm -hmm. lot of research online I read kind of everything I could find online about octopuses about giant pacific octopuses specifically um and anything that I thought was like really cool or interesting I kind of dumped into this like big master google doc and then I would just sort of look at those facts and think about you know any emotional resonances I felt that they had to the story or if it was just really cool and I wanted to include it Um, Like about like there's a part where I write about Dolores changing color as she as she sleeps, which is an indication of dreaming like scientists think. And so I I read about that and saw a video online. I was like, I have to put that in the book. Um, So there was a lot of really interesting things that came out of that research. I also watched a lot of like YouTube videos um, uploaded by aquarists um, and researchers. So people would post like a day in the life of working at an aquarium. Um, And that helped because it had been a long time since I'd been able to set foot in an aquarium and I wanted to go to like see one, but everything was closed at that point. Um, So it was great to be able to do that research just online. And then later, like the summer after I'd like sort of finalized an initial draft, I did end up getting to go to Alaska to see a good friend and he took me to an aquarium down in Seward in the southern part of the state and we ran into at the aquarium a friend of a friend who happened to work there and afterwards he came on a hike with us and I was like can I ask you questions about your job and he very graciously said yes so that was also like a
0: really great way to
1: just sort of like fact check myself a little bit so yeah
0: and what I think is really fascinating for me is I I live in a part of the country we have a huge aquarium um very close by and I don't think I ever thought of things like octopus or fish or in the same way I necessarily thought of mammals. I don't think mm. I ever thought of them in the same way. And I think now we're only really scratching the surface with these creatures as well and what they're capable of and things they do. We actually have an octopus at the aquarium and my kids absolutely love the octopus. But I think what I love is how passionate the people who work with them are. And it's almost yeah. like, what have we been missing for so long about sea life that we haven't seen? And suddenly I feel like everyone is interested in octopus, in orcas, in squids in and I I do wonder if it's because we knew so little about them right yeah yeah and and now these people studying them are showing us these incredible things and Ro really sees Dolores she sees those things and that's why I love the people who work with these creatures really do fall in love with them right
1: absolutely I mean yeah I think uh that was my sort of like feeling too like when I was started the research I was like I want to know like what kind of relationship You know you as a caretaker would develop with a creature like an octopus or a penguin or a series of fish and um you know number one it's kind of a grueling job there's a lot of like physical labor involved in it um you know if they're like you know the sometimes there are like the really big tanks like people have to dive down to clean them and feed the animals uh care for them when they're sick so it's a job that requires a lot of like physical readiness and like you are often very close to the animals so it's not surprising to me that the people who work with them care so deeply about them um, and just have this kind of curiosity about them. Um, and so that was something that was definitely borne out when I when I spoke to the Aquarius that I ended up meeting, where he was like, yeah, Aquarius are like really cool. And one thing that he shared with me was like, he was like, yeah, a lot of my coworkers are like dads. And I was like, what does that mean? Are they literally fathers? And he was like, no, it's more like they're just like, they're kind of gruff, but they're very affectionate underneath. And I was like, oh, that's kind of really lovely. Um, so I guess that was his experience I I wouldn't say that that's probably true for everyone (laughs) Uh, but yeah I, I love I one of the things I really love in life generally is getting to talk to someone who's like an expert or just knows a lot about a thing that I don't know very much about and then just watching them come alive when they explain it to me is like really fun so yeah I totally relate to your feelings about like how cool it is to be in places like that to learn from people who know so much about
0: these creatures and it really shines through. I think you're saying about the, the passion people are saying, I think you really put that into Rose when Roe's talking about Dolores and her excitement talking about her to other people. I think you took that really beautifully and put that into that character. You feel that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I feel like uh, at times there's like, it's like the only, almost the only thing that she'll let herself get excited about because everything else in her life just feels so tenuous and disappointing. And there's that scene later in the book where, I wrote the scene where um, she's interacting with Audrey who's like a little girl at a party and the two of them she can't Ro can't relate to any of the teens trying to get drunk or like make out with each other and so she bonds instead with this little girl who's like want to see my tropical fish and she's like yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) I loved that's such a beautiful little interaction as well listeners (laughs) obviously can't see the book they will see it on the on the up but I mean it's beautiful did you know what the cover the proof the final cover how much did you know about what was coming because it really is gorgeous
1: thank you so much yeah i um so i didn't realize i think this is maybe my own kind of like lack of knowledge about uk publishing versus american publishing but i didn't realize that proofs actually look different generally in the uk than the final edition of a book um so i had seen kind of the cover of um the the final cover of the uk edition which like is such a different vibe I think than the the U.S. edition uh, the U.S. edition was very octopus first um whereas uh on the U.K. edition there's a figure of, of a girl and she's sort of cradled by this this octopus yeah, arm beautiful. which I yeah I really loved that and I love that they kind of went in a very different direction with yeah. it um and then when I saw the proofs I was like oh my gosh they're they're beautiful like then they have the repeated motif of the octopus arms and the there's foil lettering it's just it's gorgeous so I the proofs were like a really lovely surprise, but the cover image I, I definitely was in touch with about my uh, I definitely was in touch with it um about it with my team and so on, okay. so, but it was lovely to see it still in, in, in real life
0: yeah. and we're talking we're recording one month before your book comes out into the world. How does that feel? is it has it kind of sunk in yet? I feel
1: like the process of putting a book out in the world um it just, it's a continual series of like surprises and revelations and then getting used to it and then getting unused to it all over again. Um, (laughs) Like there have just been these like lovely little waves of like, just feeling like, you know, shock and surprise and gratitude at the fact that it's continuing to connect with so many people that, you know, having the opportunity to have it be published abroad was something that I didn't even dream of initially when I was writing this book. And so it means so much to like know that the book is reading reaching so many different readers across the world so yeah I I don't know if it will ever really fully sink in
0: maybe (laughs) um but it feels great so yeah and what comes next for you I'm sure you can't tell me very much but how do you follow this up you know this started quite organically from like a just a prompt you were given and obviously a second book is a very different thing altogether um so what comes next for you
1: yeah, so actually, my I do have a second book coming, um, also with Picador um, in the UK and uh, Vintage in the US. And It's a collection of short stories. It's called Green Frog. That'll be out um, next spring in 2024. And those a lot of those short stories were um, stories that I'd written both um, kind of in my MFA program and outside of it, written during the those years of 2020, 2021. Yeah. Um, it's a mix of things that that are that I've already published and things that are new. Um, But continuing themes of, like, exploring Korean-American girlhood and womanhood, um, bodily transformations, animals, certainly, as evidenced by the title of the short story collection. Um, And then I am kind of working here and there on my next novel, which um, I don't want to say too much about, but it is about, it's about sisters. So I, I think I've always been interested in relationships between women, whether they be, like, you know, Uh, platonic or romantic or sibling relationships and so I'm exploring a sisterly bond in this in this new novel um and
0: it all feels very like raw and new so
1: still figuring stuff out but yeah
0: and I do you know going back to sea change obviously there is a there is a you know relationships between women and and in many different ways and the friendship that's explored I think really resonated with me because I think we've all had that best friend that we've done everything with and then it can all just change on a dime, can't it? And suddenly you're you're separated and you're just not as close as you were. And I loved exploring how they can find their way back. And maybe the friendship isn't gonna be quite the same. It might look different. But I thought that was really interesting in the book as well.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think female friendship is just so interesting. And as you as you said, it's it's can be quite complicated. Like there are so many old friends that I've grown up with and come of age with and you know sometimes there are moments where you drift apart sometimes there are times where you get back together um but I think having those old friendships especially as time has gone on and now that I'm in my 30s I feel like they are so valuable because that person knows who you were it's sort of like your rawest or most (laughs) core self (laughs) you know like you've seen each other at your most like embarrassing um or you know just, uh, just through all those ups and downs of growing up. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I really love writing about and thinking about Friendship and all its complexities, especially because I, I do think we are still in a mode in, a, in society generally where like romantic relationships are kind of privileged above everything else. But like yeah. friendships are so complicated. And like I've gone through friendship breakups that like devastated me way more than some of my romantic breakups. Oh my God,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. They can be so much more. Because de- actually, I think you share more of yourself with a friend sometimes than a romantic partner. Quite often, you are completely yourself with a friend. And when you lose that, it can be so much harder than if you lose a romantic partner. I completely, completely see that.
1: Yeah. Also, I think that there's less of like a template or like a script for getting, for getting, getting over or getting through a friend breakup. Whereas like romantic breakups, like there's so many versions of that script out there, you know, whether it's in movies or TV shows or books, whereas like with a friend breakup, you know, it's almost sort of feels like, why is this such a big deal? But it is such a big deal, you know, because it's (laughs) it's gutting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, honestly, I think Sea Change is gonna do absolutely incredibly. I loved it. It's such a beautiful story. And now I'm very intrigued by your novel evening. Um I have no idea what to expect. Um, so I can't wait to see what you're gonna bring to this. I'm I'm very excited. Yeah, no I'm excited too. <laughs> no pressure at all. Okay. So when we do this, I always start off by asking where we're gonna go. So the location is very important. So where are you gonna take us to?
1: okay i thought long and hard about this um including like actual restaurants and places like that but then i decided because this is you know this is using our imaginations let's just go let's just go for it um so i think i would like to host my novel evening in a cave but like a nice cave like i so i i and i'll just back up a little bit about caves i love caves i think they're really cool and scary um, and I think okay. I'm sort of naturally drawn to things that maybe scare me a little bit. Don't know why that is. That's one. For I'm my the therapist. opposite
0: in every way. <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> That's probably yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's probably
0: more normal. But the cave, and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. I I don't want it to be like damp and uncomfortable for people though. So it'll be well lit. There'll be like nice seating options. But I just love the idea of it being this kind of like lofted, like like arched, sort of like high ceiling. Type of situation that feels like kind of a, a part, like so deeply part of the earth, but like kind of apart from it as well. You
0: got some of the quartz glittering overhead and things. You've got the yeah, okay, I can, I can maybe get on board with a less <laughs> creepy cave.
1: Yeah, and like log- I thought logistically, like food wise, that might be really hard. Like it would have to be pre-made or something. But you know, again, we're using our imagination, so exactly. maybe there's a full kitchen in there somewhere.
0: <laughs> I bet stranger places have been used to hold parties than caves oh
1: I'm sure I'm
0: sure yeah I okay I can get on board and I like the idea of you know you're saying it's well lit and it's you know I think caves can be beautiful I like the high ceiling as well that's what won me over the thought of like a low cave
1: oh no 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 I could never do you know that thing that people like spelunking I think is what it's called like I could never I could
0: never like I watched the film The Descent when I was like 14 yes no no never I mean I yeah that movie is
1: pretty terrifying and turned me off of caves for a while um terrifying movie but yeah not, it'll be a nice cave it'll, not a like nice that cave.
0: <laughs> okay it's a nice cave there's no monsters <laughs> we're good. no no okay. monsters so who's the first person you're having come into the cave
1: okay I would like to invite um the late great Laurie Colwyn who right. is an incredible um, novelist short story writer she unfortunately passed away quite young I believe like in her 40s wow. um, a few decades ago so I came to her writing maybe five seven years ago and her the first book I ever read of hers is called happy all the time Um, and she just writes these like gorgeous like kind of I guess for lack of a better phrase like domestic fictions like about like sort of the day-to-day concerns of characters but she has such an eye for detail and especially for like the things that characters eat and wear and do and how they furnish their houses and so and she has a uh, several like cookbook type books as well I, I hesitate to call them cookbooks because they're not really traditional recipes she'll just be like take a red pepper and do this with it and then do that and then eat it um, which I love so I think she'd be such a fun person to have at a dinner party
0: okay oh I love that and I love when you read something I'm I'm a big fan of details I really like when you pick up little things like you say that they're eating or little little things around their home makes the character feel real yeah I -hmm. love that okay and I feel like she sounds like she would be a lot of fun she would and she might have some ideas with the food
1: yes I think she would I mean it might be a little bit of it might be like a little uh intimidating to invite her just because again she's like probably probably was like a domestic goddess in her time but I think she would be, be fun and like be game to try like a dinner party in a cave <laughs>
0: yeah I'm, okay okay so who's next who's gonna join us
1: okay next uh I think I will invite um the character of Casey who's the protagonist of Writers and Lovers by Lily King um uh-huh. which is one of my favorite books I read it when I was on submission with Sea change with my agent. And so I was a very, it was a kind of like an anxiety inducing time. And I read this book after a friend recommended it to me. And it's another another kind of like later in life coming of age story. The character is about in her early 30s and really struggling and like learning how to be a writer essentially. And I just, I loved that book so much. I felt like I could just live in those pages forever. And Casey also works um, by day as a waitress at a very fancy restaurant in Boston while she's also struggling to work on this novel and dealing with grief from the, the untimely passing of her mother and also like a really gutting breakup. So definitely some similarities between her and Ro and um, she's one of those characters where after the book ended, I continued worrying about her and wondering how how she's doing.
0: It sounds like she needs a party.
1: Yes, she definitely <laughs> does. Yeah, she
0: needs a good night she yeah. needs a good conversation <laughs> in a cave that's what she needs okay okay so have, have you got quite a large party coming or is this kind of more intimate
1: i, I think it'll be i only have about three more people in mind so i think okay, it'll be that's small a nice
0: number okay that's, yeah. a nice, that's not too big especially in a cave you don't want to fill it too much no no yeah you're gonna fill the space okay who's who's gonna be next um
1: next i'll invite another fictional character um and her name i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing it correctly but um I believe her name is Lily Liliette Byrne and she's from The Queen of the Night by Alexander Chee um which is I've not heard of this book tell me tell me oh oh my gosh um so it's his I think it's his second novel The Queen of the Night and so Lily Liliette, which I think is like it's like a name she gives herself it's like her stage name so actually throughout the book you don't really know her real name she's this kind of rags to riches character who grows up very impoverished in the United States and then in like uh, I would say the 1800s ish I'm, I'm so bad at knowing like historical eras but it's like the era of like Napoleon basically and then she like you know hitches a ride to Europe and then kind of reinvents herself as this like very fabulous like opera singer over the course of like you know making her way up through nobility and like high society in Paris um, and so she becomes this opera singer and she's also kind of a superstitious person like she thinks that Um, If she sings certain roles, because a lot of opera is very tragic, of course, she'll bring tragedy upon herself. So the whole novel is about her being this like kind of survivor character, um, knowing how to navigate a variety of worlds, and also just being very witty and like kind of cutting in a way, um, while also like, you know, it's a first person book. So she's also letting you in on like her most her innermost vulnerabilities while on the surface of it, she's trying to like avoid being killed at like the court of Napoleon, essentially. So she's Ooh. like, she seems like she'd be really fun and kind of witty and also have like a lot of tea to spill at the
0: dinner party. Oh, I love the sound of this book. So that's going on my on my wish list because that sounds like my kind of read.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a big one. Um, I think I read it on like, like a 12 hour plane ride when I read it. And it was like the wow. perfect travel
0: accompaniment. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. She sounds like she'd bring a, bring a little bit of glamour as well, right? She's gonna bring. Yeah. A bit of okay, I like that. This is a good this is a mixed bag as well. You've got some interesting characters. I'd be intrigued to see how they all interact with each other. Yeah, I think
1: it'll be it'll be an interesting group. Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of like people who as you said need a party versus people who are like very comfortable at parties.
0: So yeah, I like that as well. That brings people out of their shell, right?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Need. Okay. So you've got two more guests.
1: Two more. Um okay. one is fictional and one is not. One is one is like an actual person.
0: Okay. <laughs> um <laughs> who have you and- got?
1: The next fictional character is um, Larry, who is a, <laughs> he's an amphibious, um, he's like a humanoid amphibian creature from the novel *Mrs. Caliban* by Rachel Ingalls. I don't know if you've heard of this book. I've um, heard
0: of it, but I haven't read it.
1: Oh, it's so good! It's it's tiny. It's a it's a novella basically, oh, so it's like a very okay. fast read. But Larry is a creature who has escaped from a lab at the beginning of the book, and he. It's kind of taken in by this sort of lonely housewife and they start a relationship. And um, it's a very fast, easy read, as I mentioned. I don't want to spoil anything. But Larry, he's very gentle. He's very, he's very tall, very green. Um, and he doesn't understand a lot about the human world, but he's very curious. He's very gentle and open. He also like really likes avocados. So that's like a detail that has like stuck with me over the years. So we'll definitely have to have avocados at the cave. Yep. Okay. Um, and uh, the, the reason I think he'd be a good addition to the cave dinner party is because like, I think he'd just have an interesting perspective to bring in terms of like dinner parties generally. I think he'd be comfortable in the cave setting since he's like a wet, amphibious creature. Um, yeah. And I think he'd have lots of observations to share, especially from his own kind of people. Like it's not really clear in the book like where exactly he came from. Um, yeah. but he's it, it's he basically tells the the main character that, he's from a very different kind of society than he was captured and brought into the world of humans and mistreated and imprisoned. It's it's very similar to, I think the book has been compared to The Shape of Water. Okay, that yep. came out yeah. That's ago. A, yeah, yeah, so there's some similarities there.
0: I imagine he'd ask a lot of questions. As I like said, he's very curious. So he's going to be good for asking questions of the other guests and making conversation.
1: Yeah, I think he'd also be like a good buffer guest, guest to have at the party. Like someone who just like, because he's so kind of like innocent of human convention like he it's impossible to feel like awkward around him
0: you know yeah oh I love that okay because when you first said it I wasn't sure this was going to make sense (laughs) (laughs) and now now I think he fits in okay so who is your final guest who's going to come in
1: Okay, my final guest is another um, author who has passed, very sadly, um, but her name is Lucia Berlin. She's an incredible short story writer. I think she's primarily known for her short stories. I'm not sure if she wrote a novel, but um, she's brilliant. I, I have her collection of stories, um, her first collection, which was published posthumously, it's called A Manual for Cleaning Women. And it's from the title short story, which is essentially, it's like a a, a woman who, cleans houses for a living and she's sort of narrating her day to day and then you realize as she goes through her daily route and the things that she has to do to sort of clean up that she's gone through all these like real hardships in her life and you know by the end of it you just feel emotionally transfigured by the story and a lot of her stories are kind of like that like very kind of like like characters who've had really rough lives um and yet maintain kind of like a a sort of hope or an interest in life despite it all and she herself also had a had a quite difficult life. Um, she struggled with um, alcohol abuse throughout her life, um, which I believe is what she she passed from, unfortunately, and um, had several um, kind of turbulent marriages. But just also in her letters and in you know interviews with her, just seemed like a very vibrant person who really loved life and was and was full of energy, um, and just had a lot of really interesting stories to tell. Like I think she she's American but she spent the majority of her youth and childhood in South America and just when she came back to the states just had a completely different perspective from a lot of people um at the time because as a result of like having traveled and lived all over so I think she'd be like a really fun interesting presence at the party as well
0: I think you've got a very interesting group of people actually all very different and I think sometimes that can make for a really interesting gathering
1: yeah hopefully they I think and I'll get along too because so yeah. I think all of all of these people are also kind of like naturally curious and so they'd be able to like bond despite their differences
0: yeah they'd um, be interested also... in each other
1: yes yeah, yeah yeah I think that's like one of the most important things in a dinner party is to not just have like the balance of of like social comfort but also have get characters or guests that you think would be interested in talking to each other as
0: well and this is the point where I ask if there's anybody that you wouldn't want at your party Well, cave
1: creatures.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we don't, no no descent cave creatures. (laughs) No,
1: no descent cave creatures, unless they're friendly, but like the ones in the descent did not seem friendly at all. (laughs) Maybe they were misreading what was happening. (laughs) Maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a, maybe it was a misrepresentation. There could be, yeah. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe we could right the wrongs for the cave creatures. He was just trying to make pals.
1: (laughs) The cave creature community, yeah um so yeah otherwise I mean but yeah generally I think we'd like to keep it keep it it small um and also I guess because one one thread that kind of unites um a lot of these characters or the authors whose work I'm talking about as well as like my own book is the fact that like they're all kind of dealing with like romantic disappointments and breakups in their own way so no exes no exes are allowed because that's messy
0: yeah fair yeah that that's the kind of drama you don't want coming into right. an intimate dinner party. Well, yeah. I think you've, you've created something that is actually very sweet. I think you've got a lot of people there who need a really good night and some good conversation. And they're going to get that from your other guests and hopefully provide some of their own. Yeah, I think so. It'll be,
1: I, I really want this to happen now. I'm like, <laughs> where can I, where can I book that? So many a people cave? have said
0: that. They're like, oh, I'm really disappointed that we can't actually do this. Because <laughs> it would be great. Well, thank you so so much. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day, because you still have the rest of your day, it's my, almost my bedtime here. Um, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment.
1: Yes, um, I just finished uh, Lucy by Jamaica Kincaid. Mm. Um, so it's still very fresh in my in my mind. It's a very it's a very slim novel. It's about a young nineteen uh, year old girl who comes to the states as an au pair. She's from um, I don't know if it's specified in the book, but she's from the Caribbean islands and Jamaica Kincaid herself was from Antigua. And I think a lot of the book is based on her own experiences, but she comes to the States to work for a family and to care for their children. And it's just like such a witty and fun and powerful book. And then throughout it, there's also this thread of like really loving, but also really resenting her mother, which was, is just so powerful to read about. Um, and There's a complicated
0: the... female relationship thing coming yeah, through. Yeah <laughs> absolutely and she develops a, a
1: a similarly complicated relationship with the mother of the family that she's that she's helping out with where um the mother of the family is this very white privileged woman um who you know is very nice to her but like essentially like really doesn't understand where the au pair is coming from and so they develop a kind of interesting friendship as well so I highly recommend Lucy. And I'm also reading um, Cursed Funny by Bora Chung, which I'm really loving. Just terrifying I and unsettling. I almost picked that up.
0: I almost mm. picked it up the other day. And now I may have to go back and do it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's
0: really good. I mean, it's not even, I, I would say it's, it is is like
1: horror. There are definitely stories that are more horror than others, but it's also very funny. Like the first story like really grossed me out, but also made me laugh so much. So that's all I'll
0: say. <laughs> oh, now I'm intrigued. I'm I'm by nature I'm very wimpy and I've just started kind of dipping my toe into more horror um but that one has me intrigued so I might have to go in and check that one out yeah let me know what you think if you do I I'm really loving it so far Ooh, I will absolutely have to and look thank you so so much again Sea Change comes out in the UK on the 18th of August remind me when it's out in the US uh it came out I believe uh March 28th here oh in the wow US, you so- guys really you released way before then
1: yeah, yeah. So it's been out. Um, and yeah, the UK edition is dropping soon in just a few weeks. So very excited. It's
0: not long. And honestly, I loved the book. I think it's beautiful. I think it's gonna do so, so well. And I've loved chatting to you all about it. Thank you so, so much.
1: Thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me.